Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, you guys. It's Miss Fashanta. I am joined today with Matthew Knowles. We'll be discussing his book, Racism from the Eyes of a Child. Hi. Good evening. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Fashanta? I'm doing amazing. How's your day going? Um, you know, it's a typical day at Music World. Um, yeah. <laughs> fortunately, I get to live my passion every day. So. Well, that's great. I first want to start off and say thank you for taking the time out to speak with me. I truly appreciate that so much. Thank you. I'm sorry. We, uh, I guess my team got the uh, one of the numbers wrong, so I'm sorry that because uh, I'm oh, no, typically okay. on no time. Worries. I'm an on time guy. <laughs> oh, no worries, no worries. So I'm going to just go ahead. I'm going to dive into this. I'm so excited about this book. I'm going to go ahead and dive into it. Um, I want to first off to also say I really love the creativity behind this. It's so amazing. I love how it's like a personal reflection on racism in America through a childhood lived. Um, the title is so great, you know, Racism from the Child, from the Eyes of a Child. Um, in your opinion, can you give us, you know, more background as to what this book is about? Well, sure. You know, I opened the book uh, with an introduction. I, I tell the story. Um, I'll share it with you. I was five years old. I grew up in Gaston, Alabama, a little small town, about 25,000 people. In 1952, um, you know, the 50s and 60s, uh, they were hell, living hell when it came to racism and segregation. So I'm five years old, so it would have been 1956. Um, mm-hmm. And my mother, uh, we used to go to her parents' home in a little town called Marion, Alabama. It had like 2,500 people. It, we called it the country. 
Uh, and so me and my brother and my mother, every most summers would go down for a week or two. My mother didn't get along with my grandmother at all. They were like oil and vinegar, uh, more like oil and water. Water. But this particular night, my mother uh, gets in an argument with my grandmother and decides that she's going to take me and my brother uh, at around 10 o'clock at night in this rural, rural town, Marion, Alabama, we were going to go walk to the nearest relative, which is about a mile away. So here we are leaving the house on the dirt road, and then we get to the main highway. Now, there's not lights on the highways. This is 1956. So we only, and this is in a country in rural Alabama, so we only had the, the moon and the stars for light, and we were walking up the side of a road, a highway, and here we hear these horns in the distance. And, and then finally we could see lights in the distance. Uh, and then the, the horns and, and lights got closer and closer. And then my mother said, <clears throat> grabbed my, my brother in my hand and said, we got to jump in the bushes right now. Uh, and mm-hmm. so <clears throat> yeah, I'm five years old. I don't know, don't know what's going on. And then finally my mother gets on top of me, starts praying, and I start crying, and she says, be quiet, be quiet. And then she told my brother, who was older, he was, you know, nine years older, so she said, Jesse, if anything happens, grab your brother, and y'all go up under that barbed wire, and y'all just run in those, that pasture with those cows. Just run as fast mm-hmm. as you can. So finally, this caravan of cars passed, and we got out of the woods, and I'm picking up these flags because I'm a little five-year-old. I don't know. Uh, and she slaps my hand. Well, that was a KKK rally. Mm. And can you only imagine uh, in 1956 what would have happened uh, if those members of the KKK, Ku Klux Klan, had a, saw this mother and her two kids walking on the side of the highway. Uh, mm-hmm. I can only imagine. And that's how the book opens, and that's where. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my, my memories. It's one of my earliest memories um, is how frightened I was uh, as a kid. And that's why I titled it Racism from the Eyes of a Child, because it starts at me being five years old, and it takes you to the day. And I tell the story. I, I, you know, who we are also, Fashanta, is shaped by our family. And, and mm-hmm. so I first in the book wanted to shape who I am uh, by going back and researching as far back I was able to go as great-great-grandfather Calvin Moore, who was born a slave. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I begin the book by just sharing my family. Uh, you know, I have five guests in the book. I have uh, two of my first cousins, my sister uh, and a second cousin. Uh, and then one of the young ladies, Barbara Kostoffin, that actually was with me when it was six of us and about 500 white students, 600 white students in junior high school, uh, and mm-hmm. just wanted to hear their perspectives on racism. Uh, and then we talk about some pretty uncomfortable stuff that people uh, don't talk enough about, and that's colorism. Eroticized um, mm-hmm. rage. Uh, talk about the years of therapy behind racial trauma that I had to endure and go through. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's an overview of the book. 
And why did I write it? Because I want people to have that social courage to speak up, speak out about racism, sexism, homophobia, xenophobia. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want people to speak up and speak out about it and have action. That's amazing. That also leads into my next question. You know, I commend you on you know, for writing this book because there is so much knowledge that needs to be shared. And I'm like a firm believer that you know, knowledge is indeed power. And I feel like you know, most people don't have the courage to speak about colorism or racism. Um, and why do you think that is? Well, I, I think a lot of it is that we've been conditioned. We we've been conditioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to speak out about it. And, you know, all of this still, we're not that far removed from slavery. Um, Mm -hmm. All of this started in slavery Mm -hmm. uh, because we were a commodity. I mean, we, not not a, a, you know, we were valued because we earned revenue for the shareholder, the slave master. We, we We were a revenue generator. You know, it was it was first tobacco, uh, then it became cotton. So colorism, you know, it was imposed on us. It wasn't our option. And how was it imposed on us? It was because the slave master raped our women. Mm-hmm. And that's where this whole colorism started from. That, that, that was imposed upon those women. It weren't their, their mm-hmm. option. Uh, and then, you know, what the master did, all that hatred and anger, he would embed that into those slaves who had the opportunity to work in the house, the big house. And, you know, he imposed that, made them think they were better and, and gave them that anger that he had towards black folks. So this is, mm-hmm. this is something generational coming out of slavery. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's you know I look back as just uh, just the other day at some footage because it was Dr. King's 50th anniversary, and and just to see that meanness and anger in those white folks' eyes, and and how they just hated us, the hatred that they showed in their face. Well, think mm-hmm. about it. Some of those people are still alive, and and. and, and it showed their kids with that same kind of anger. I've I've seen that hatred and anger because I've been the first, to, one of the first to integrate. Those mm-hmm. people are walking around right now today, you know, mm-hmm. and their grandkids are walking around today with that same hatred. Yes, and I also, you know, I was I also wanted to ask as well. I feel like you know, of course, your book has a great message behind it. You know, what do you want? the readers take away from your book? Well, I think every reader would take away something different. Uh, I think some white readers uh, hopefully will take away from it knowledge because there's still folks around that think that racism doesn't exist. And I show example after example example, uh, up to today. I have a chapter that's called Flying Why Black Mm -hmm. uh, that you know, when I travel, I just left Philadelphia, D.C., and, and um, Atlanta. I had two incidents. You know, one was I was in D.C., and I was in a club level of the hotel. Walked in at around 9.30. Uh, there was a 
group of white folks in one corner, a bunch of guys, and a group of white ladies, only women on the other side. You know, there's four or five of them. They were drinking cocktails and having fun. Some were on their phones. I go and I sit in the opposite of both of them and minding my own business, looking through my my, my emails. And then I, uh, these, both of the parties left, and I'm on the phone talking to my wife. And then the uh, white manager comes up on, on the table and sets a sign, doesn't even say it, just sets a sign. It's our policy not to talk on the phone. So I told my wife, let me handle this. Now, at this time, it's, it's only it's 9.45. The place closes at 10. And there's a white gentleman across from me. And me, that's the only people in the club level. And I asked the manager, I said, sir, uh, come over for a second. I said, why did you pick me out? I said, you know, there was a group over here, a group over there, people having fun, loud on their phones. At 9.45 and you closing, why did you pick me out to, to tell me to get off the phone and set something on my table? Well, that's our policy, sir. I said, but there's only me and one other person in here. If that, even if that was your policy, but you didn't see earlier people on their phone? Well, no, I, I didn't see that earlier. I said, you're right. I said, you're absolutely right. You saw me, didn't you? He said, yes, sir, I, I, I only saw you on the phone. I said, the important part of what you just said is you only saw you. I only saw you. Because that's how the white world is. They only see us, our police. They only see us, you know, our president. Mm-hmm. They only see us. They only see us. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and so racism is alive and well is my point. But mm-hmm. the difference, and I talk about it, and I talk about it. My mother, I share uh, some of her courage, her social courage. Uh, but it's time for us to stop just talking. See, a lot of people will have just got off their phone and got mad and walked out. You know, A, I talked to the young man. B, I talked to the manager the next day. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we've got to start doing. We can't just, that's what social courage is, is speaking up and speaking out and doing it quicker, faster. Whenever okay. we hear race and we see in our workplace, where we're at a restaurant, and we see racism or sexism or xenophobia or homophobia, you know, say something. Mm-hmm. That's Definitely. what I want this book to, to, to do. So some white people, again, they don't know. Some of the, I have people I see, I, I, didn't, I don't think racism exists. So I hope that some the reader uh, will hopefully open their eyes to maybe racism does exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, for others, I want them to have that social courage to speak up and speak out and have dialogue and conversation and exercise our right to vote, like the women in Alabama exercised in November against a racist running for Senate. And 98% of all the black female registered voters in Alabama voted. You know, and we need to... Mm-hmm see and hear that more and more and, and, and have action. That's yeah. why what I hope the readers get. 
I like that. I like that. And, you know, not only are you an icon in the world of business and entertainment, but you're also a teacher, a wonderful teacher at that, at Texas Southern University and also North Institute. Now, have you presented this book to your students or, like, assigned homework out of this book yet, or do you plan to? It'll be a great way for them to earn, like, extra credit. <laughs> well, you know, I on my first book, The DNA of Achievers, I did, but, you know, this semester I took a sabbatical because I have, you know, three books, well, two more books that I'm writing, uh, and I'm doing some extreme promotions on this book, and I knew I wouldn't be in a classroom uh, mm-hmm. for, for a while. So, but my, my, I, am, I'm, I'm, I love what I do. I love teaching, um, uh, and I, I tell you, it's a very rewarding and a privilege for me to give in a way to give back. So um, my next book, which is the Emancip- emancipation of slaves through music. Um, that was a class that I had last semester, and mm-hmm. the the great thing about that book is that my students and it was a special topics research class, so it was a small class of just juniors and seniors, mainly seniors, um, and they I had well, it was only ten students and. They had to turn in over a semester over a hundred pages of research, and so I took their research and I added my information and my perspective on it, and that's um, giving my students co-author credits with me on my next book, uh, mm-hmm. The Emancipation of Slaves Through Music. That's exciting. That's very exciting. Now, to our aspiring writers out there. Um, you know, what advice can you give to those who are wanting to be an author? And also, did you come across any challenges with writing this book that you have right now? Well, my first book helped me to um, mold the type of style that uh, I want to have as an author. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, it's not kind of, very, very, very close to the music industry and putting out an album. Uh, you know, are you a gospel artist, or R&B artist? You know, identify who you are and your style of writing. For me, one of the, the things that I've learned and, and, and come to enjoy is I like to have others in my book that have different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Like I have the guests and, you know, the five people that are in the book of racism from the eyes of a child just to give that reader also a different perspective uh, of whatever the topic is. Uh, and so that's what I, I suggested first to to those new folks um, is to understand what your style is. And there's no right or wrong. Um, and I don't think you you there's a right way of writing or a wrong way of writing. I think it's uh, important to research uh, mm-hmm. and have information, facts and information. Um, and, and then it's storytelling. Uh, again, like a record is sto- storytelling. Um, only difference is one uses their voice, the other one uses a pen. Mm-hmm. And it takes time to develop that. Uh, you know, it doesn't, you know, you don't start out. I got lucky on my first book. You know, it was a number one bestseller, uh, but it was true to me from my heart and experiences. 
So, I mean, that stylistic approach of learning your own style is something that I would say also to new writers. And if this is your passion, uh, you know, never give up on it. Just get better. Mm -hmm. And when you make mistakes, you'll learn from them. That is so true. And I'm very excited, you know, for this book, um, Racism from the Eyes of a Child, which is so amazing. My, I know you're a very busy man, so I'm going to just go ahead and wrap this up. I know you have to go. But last but not least, I would love to ask you, you know, what keeps you motivated, you know, to continue inspiring people? Because so many people look up to you, so many people are inspired by what you do and all that you have done. What keeps you motivated to keep going? Well, my past keeps me uh, motivated, uh, and and in this book I share my my past, uh, and a lot of what I went through as a child and being one of the first, and and, it, and, and imagine you you're in a classroom or um, a restaurant and you're demonstrating, and you know I've been beaten, I've been electric prodded, I've been spit on. Um, and and that molds you into a strong person. Uh, okay. It molds you into wanting to be the very best. Um, I played sports when I was young, so I'm a competitor. Uh, still want to win. But more than anything, uh, what it motivates me is what I do is my passion. Uh, and and. When you live your passion, you never work a day in your life. And what mm-hmm. coexists with passion is work ethics. They they coexist with each each other. You can't find someone who works very hard that's not passionate. You can't find mm-hmm. someone who's passionate that doesn't work very hard because it's not work to them. It's it's fun. You get to live your passion. You never work a day in your life. Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely. And just so that I am correct, we can buy this book on Amazon also through your website, correct? Yes, you can get it at Amazon. Um, um, you can also uh, get it at barnesandnoble.com. Uh, but if you go to Matthew Knowles with one T, uh, dot com, uh, I and order the book, I'll sign the book and ship it to you. Um, So that's where you get it. And then you can go, you know, at at MatthewKnowles.com. You know, there's a lot of information, things that I'm doing. I do a lot of public speaking. Uh, I enjoy that on there. That website can tell you where, how to book me as a speaker. And uh, I uh, do charitable work. I'm on the board of Make-A-Wish Foundation. So mm-hmm. there's a place there that you can donate to make a wish. Uh, and then it t- tells all the, the where I'm speaking. Um, so you should at least go and look at it, and you'll see yourself. All my social mm-hmm. media stuff is there. So Yes. Definitely. Well, it has been such a pleasure. I really uh, appreciate it again for you taking the time out to speak with me. Um, I hope you have a wonderful evening. And thank you so much again. Thank you again. You know. And spread the word, Lashanta. I definitely will. And you guys who have tuned in, thank you guys so, so much. And do not forget to go purchase and check out his new book, 
racism from the eyes of a child, which is available now. And you can follow him on Instagram at Mr. Matthew Knowles. And you guys don't forget to follow me on Instagram as well at Miss Fashanta. That is M I S S P H A S H U N T A. Thank you guys for listening. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.